more. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and again, if you've been listening, we are in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which has really just been a, uh, it, they call it the rock, and it, it, it is just a dungeon, is, you know, a house of horrors for the Cajun football program in my lifetime. And, and, you know, I talk a lot about history. I understand a lot of people who weren't there way back when, when the history part was taking place. Um, you know, they don't want to hear about that. And I try to kind of tell myself, well, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe the fact that, uh, the Cajuns are a little different place in their football history than they were uh, for some of those games. But, but again, uh, the Cajuns were pretty good in the 80s. I mean, they had some good teams in the early 80s. They had some really good teams in the, in the late 80s, uh, in the Brian Mitchell era. They had some really good teams in the early to mid-90s in the Jake DeLome era. And it wasn't like the Cajuns were always bad when they came to Hattiesburg but they always got crushed except for that one game that we keep talking about in 1989. Look, in the last 42 years, I think that's the right number, maybe 41, 43, something like that. And in the last four decades, say, plus, that that's the second most competitive game the Cajuns have ever played in Hattiesburg. And now, again, I know a lot of people don't want to hear about history, but um, – you know, I, I, I tried to remind myself that, and, um, you know, you, you like to think it's going to be a little different. Man, it was not different. It was just – I mean, they were down by, you know, 18, 20 points in a hurry. In a hurry. This is a team in Southern Miss that had scored 16 points in the first quarter all season. They had 20 in the first quarter in this game last night. And um, to the Cajuns' credit, they they fought back and they struggled early on, keeping Southern Miss from running the football out of the Wildcat. They finally figured it out. You could argue it was a little too late, and it was, but it really was early enough to give the offense a chance to come back and win. You know, at the end of the game, with what, three minutes to go, two minutes to go, and it was two-something to go, the Cajuns had the ball, and they were down by eight points. And think about this. They had the ball down by eight points in pretty good field position. And that's with passing up a field goal, a forty-seven potential 47-yard field goal on the first drive of the game, which, again, I would not have done. Now, if you told me 
at the beginning of the game that it was going to be a high-scoring game, which I did not think it was going to be. I don't believe Coach Dance thought it was going to be. I don't believe um, the people who cover Southern Miss thought. I don't think anybody thought this was going to be a high-scoring game with this much offense. I don't, I don't believe anybody thought that. But if I'd have known that then, then might have understood, agree with Coach Dez's decision. But at the time, I'm thinking it's going to be a low-scoring game. You, I talked about it all week long. Got to make your field, your field goals. You got to take advantage of scoring opportunities. So when you, when you look at the fact that with a little over two minutes to go, the Cajuns had the ball in good field position down by eight points in a game that they were down 29-5 to in midway through the second quarter. You have to consider in that eight points, one, again, you pass up a field goal in your first drive that could. You missed a 40-yard field goal that you should make a 40-yard field goal. You just should. You fumbled at, at on the first drive of the third quarter. You're driving down the field. You get two big first downs. Everything's going great. You're actually running the ball, but you hadn't run the ball the whole first half. You we, we actually had some running lanes, and Chris Smith fumbles the ball at the 20, what, 28, 27-yard line, whatever it was. Just another missed opportunity. And you also, when you did score one of your touchdowns in the third quarter, you went for two, which I would not have done. When, when, when you're down – and you score a touchdown, and you're down by 12 at the at the time they were down. They scored a touchdown. They're down 29 to 17. I do not agree with going for two because if you go for one, then you're down a touchdown and a field goal. If you go for two and make it, you're down a touchdown and a field goal. If you go for two and miss it, now you're down by two touchdowns. I, I just I, I just don't understand that. So, yeah, they were down by eight when they got the ball back at the end. But it should have been – it, it should have, could have, would have been a lot different than eight. I mean, you know, they should have at least been down by seven, even if you take all the field goal situation that I'm, I'm talking about. If you give yourself a field goal when you when you fumble inside the 30 and you give yourself a field goal in the first possession and you give yourself a point instead of going for two, well, you can get to eight pretty quick. They they really should have been in a situation where they only needed a field goal at the end if, if you play some of those things right. Now, again, it, it's easy – I mean, I'm not really, I'm not second guessing here because I'm first, I first guessed last night. I mean, all those things is, is something that I think I, I believe that I would have done at, at the time. Again, the Cajuns came out very aggressive. The, it's almost like they said, okay, we're playing a very aggressive defense. We're in a house of horrors for this program. So the way that we're going to win is not to be passive. The way we're going to win is to come out and just take it to them. So they went forward on fourth down on their first possession. The, then when the first time they got the ball back after that, they threw it down the field aggressively, picked off. The, the aggressive approach, which I think most fans would agree with, would, would, would buy into, would support, it, it really backfired early on because they didn't get the, the, the fourth down conversion. And by the way, you also have to factor in 
Southern opponents this year were two and eleven, two for eleven on fourth down tries going into this game, and they went zero for five last night. So they're two for sixteen for the season. So going for it on fourth down against um, Southern Miss, I mean, try it at your own peril because the the percentages are horrendous. So you know, I don't know if that was in Coach Dez's mind or not, but. It was uh, it, it did not work. But again, to the Cajuns' credit, in a game where nothing is going well, it looks like it's going to be a complete disaster show. Um, you and at the end, you ended up turning it over four times, and yet you had the ball down eight. And if not for a couple other things, you should have been down by less than eight. Maybe is maybe with a one point lead. Even I, I mean, I can get to nine pretty quick. Make a 40-yard field goal. You try a 47-yard field goal. You don't fumble going in. That's nine points. I'm not, and that's not even given. You know, obviously they could have scored a touchdown on the ball that, on the on the fumble that Chris Smith had. You can get to nine pretty quick. I can get to ten if you go for go for one instead of two. So again, there's a lot of shoulda, woulda, coulda stuff here. But again, for them to be in that position was impressive to me because when they were down 29 to five. I'm, I'm telling you, they had no momentum. I mean, it was looking like an all of – it was looking more like a typical UL at Southern Miss game, which is you get your clocks clean. Understand that other than the one game they won in 1989, in the last four decades, the Cajuns have lost by an average of 32 points a game in Hattiesburg. 32. Think about that. That's an average. So, like, there was, like, a 50-point loss in there, too. I mean, that they, they've lost by an average of 32. They get blown out every game except for that one game where Mike LeMoyne kicked a 50-yard field goal in the last play to win. That That's it. So, I mean, I understand there are a lot of people who are very upset about this loss. I get it. But, man, I, I thought they – for getting punched in the mouth, as Chris Moncrief said – I uh, thought they hung in there, made some adjustments, and gave themselves a chance. Just, it's too hard to pass block when you when you when you're having to throw 46 times, and, and they weren't able to do it effectively for four quarters in the end. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, sir. Go ahead. Uh-oh. He wasn't able to hear me. Maybe we'll um we'll try it again to get some uh a phone call there. But no, um it was it was it was not a good loss. Now to say that it was, you know, I think some people turn their no, you know, the Monroe loss was a bad loss. I I, I don't know that this was a bad loss. Like to the level that going to Monroe and snapping the ball over the punter's head and, and losing that game was a bad – that was a bad loss, a game you should have won. Um, I don't – I think – I don't know if we're ever going to say the Cajuns should have won in Hattiesburg. Again, how, how can you ever say you're, what, 1-23 all-time at a place and you, and you say you should have won? Uh, I, I don't know that you want to get to that point um, with any kind of historical – perspective at all but but it, it 
any loss right now is disappointing because Southern Miss, you know, when coming into this game, both teams had about the same record. Um, both teams were in a very similar places overall. And so it would have been a tremendous win. Just it just it just didn't happen. And it's very difficult to go on the road, especially a place that is known for being a really tough place to play, fall down by twenty four points in the middle of the second quarter and, and think you're gonna win. So it, it it was difficult. Now I know I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, well, don't fall down by twenty four points. But you know, obviously the that's not what they wanted to do. But, you know, they gave up too many big plays. It took too long, a little too long to figure out the running game. But once they did, the defense, I thought, did their job in the second half after not doing the job at all in the first half. And the offense just had too many turnovers. I mean, if they could have limited the turnovers to two instead of four, you know, I don't mind the – I mean, you don't like the pick six. But the, the, the pick six at the end in a desperation situation is understandable. Um, but, and, and when you get a pass deflected, you know, it, it's just kind of bad luck. Maybe you just give credit to the other team for deflecting. It's not, you know, oh, that's an inexcusable turnover. Uh, two of them were not, I wouldn't call put under the category of inexcusable turnovers, but the, um, but the, the Chris Smith fumble and the first interception, you those are the ones you just can't have. And, uh, they, they just were not able to. To overcome it. All right, so we are each week at about this time. We talk a little McNeese State football. We'll do that after this timeout. And then obviously we're going to get to the World Series, update you on high school football because we had an unusually large number of um, Kadiana area teams playing high school football on Thursday night. So I'm going to update you on all those scores and we'll do, and we'll talk about the Saints. I don't really want to because I'm so angry and frustrated, but we'll do that as well. We'll start all of that after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote. If you would like to see the new movie Black Panda Wakanda Forever, a sneak peek, you could do that at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard on November the 10th. Here's what you got to do. Text PANTHER to 337-283-8100. Text PANTHER to 283-8100. You might win a pair of free passes for a private viewing of the new movie Black Panda Wakanda Forever, thanks to the game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. All right, we talk McNeese football each Friday about this time, 
And so we have with us the play-by-play voice of the Cowboys, Tom. Mr. Tom Hafer, how are you, sir? I'm great, Kevin. Good to be with you today. Well, you know, the last week was a game where you, we kind of thought it was winnable, and it certainly was. You had a huge second quarter scoring 22 points, which had to be fun. You know, I, I, I know we all about winning, and I, I am too, but, I mean, when you're doing what you do, you it's kind of it's a little more fun, I'm sure, to do a competitive game than a blowout, and, and, and it was a great game. It was an excellent game. There were plenty of uh, huge momentum swings. You know, the, the Cowboys had the three touchdowns in a row in the first half, and then uh, uh, the uh, Colonels came back in the third quarter and then early in the fourth with three consecutive touchdowns. Big changes in momentum, big plays that were, you know, game-changing plays. Coach Goff talked about really that, that three plays were the difference in the game. One was their pick six. The other was their 89-yard uh, touchdown pass that came right in that same series uh, after the pick six. And then uh, the, the Cowboys driving the football um, with about four minutes left in the ball game got down into, uh, into Colonel's territory and failed on a fourth and one. And that pretty much sealed the deal. Those are the three, the three you know, defining plays in the ball game. And, uh, and they all went against the Cowboys. So uh, it, it was very winnable. And so I think that, that it was very frustrating to the fan base. And, and Coach Goff just seemed drained afterwards and disappointed uh, that they didn't get that win. Um, Nichols is a team that's, that's got some similarities to the Cowboys. They've got a lot of young players um, and a tradition of success, at least uh, you know since Coach Rebo has been there. Um, but you can see that there are some deficiencies in them as well, and the Cowboys just were not able to exploit enough of them and, and made those big mistakes on those three plays. All right, so... What did you see out of that game, however, that gives you some hope, not just for the future like this weekend against uh, the Lions, but just in terms of rebuilding the program? What, what, what good signs did you see that maybe they can build on? Well, the, the biggest thing is, that, of course, the defensive back situation has gotten <laughs> worse and worse as the, uh, as the season has gone along. Couple of cornerbacks went out with season-ending injuries. Lost a safety in the Nichols game. Don't think it's season-ending, but he won't play this week. That's Enos Lewis. And then there were the, the dismissals of three players, uh, all defensive backs, who were uh, one starter and two guys that played a lot. So uh, they have been forced to play very young guys in the defensive backfield, and some of them have played exceptionally well. Uh, Coach Golf was praising Craig John Bennett, who's a true freshman, who's who's played uh, a good bit at cornerback, and he looks really good. Um, Darius Shields played for Enos Lewis after he got hurt in the ballgame and had eight tackles in, in less than a half of play. Uh, so, so those guys are the guys that we're, like, really excited about um, and, and watching them. The other thing, and this isn't for the future, but, but Deontay McMahon was sensational in the ballgame, the senior tailback. Uh, he scored four touchdowns, and it was a jaw-dropping performance because the, the offensive line wasn't necessarily opening big holes for him, but he was just, uh, he, he was just great. And uh, the four, four touchdowns hasn't been accomplished since, I think it was the 2009 season for any individual player for me. So it, it was a great performance. Uh, we'll be sad to see him go uh, as a senior. But that was something that was just fun, and you, you talk about calling plays, you know, calling the game on the radio. Uh, that was it was a great performance to call because the, the plays were so electric. 
All right, so the problem is you're going from a, a, a team here that you could have won, and, and like you said, there were several plays here or there that were the difference between winning or losing, and you saw some good signs, and now you're playing – uh, I think I heard Coach Golfer say earlier this week he thinks this might be the best team in the whole conference. It's probably the most talented team. They have been up and down. They've lost some games that you kind of scratch your head about, the A&M Commerce game for one. Uh, but they got two real signature victories, the, the win over Incarnate Word. Uh, they got a fluky last-second play uh, to win it, but uh, – Still, uh, just beating them is is an accomplishment, and the win last week over Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State six and one. They're an FCS program that's becoming uh, FBS. They're in the process of that right now, uh, and they were six and one, and they've got big wins on the year. So that win by Southeastern is like yikes. Uh, this te- this team may be coming around and and uh, you know finally reaching their potential because that's a that's a strong win for them. So. I know that when the Cajuns played him, and that was a, you know the first game of the year, is a long, long time ago. But they kind of they they had a the the biggest thing was the quarterback could really run. I understand they're playing more than one quarterback. So from a foot X's and O standpoint, is it is about keeping the quarterback from hurting you with his legs, or is it a lot more complex than that now? Yeah, they it's they're playing two guys, and Eli Sawyer is the freshman, the redshirt freshman that's the passing quarterback, and Cephas Johnson is the the running quarterback. And in the games that they've done really well in, they, they've just gone with a hot hand, whatever was working. Um, honestly, I think because of the inexperience in the defensive backfield, I'm a little more concerned about uh, about Sawyer, the passing quarterback. He looks really good. Um, he doesn't run at all. He just swings it around quite a bit. And Johnson is a load. He's a big quarterback. Um, he throws okay, too. He's their second-leading passer and, and is not inept at that. Uh, but he's the guy that can really run the ball. I feel a little better about the Cowboy run defense than I do the passing defense right now going into this game. How worried – and look, this this can happen, and especially when you're in the situation and you have as much turnover and you're depleted roster-wise as you have been at times – how worried are you where at some point this season it's just going to be, you know, you reach a point where you just don't have much left or, or, or you know, it's hard to just get up? I mean, or, do you think that they're they're close to that point or, or are you still seeing enough in last week's competitive game to think that's not going to happen here? Coach Goff has done a really good job of keeping the spirits up and keeping everything from being, you know, too down. Um after the Southeastern game, the final three games of the season are probably three of the four most likely wins for the Cowboys on the year. And that, as the, the uh, end of the season comes close, they, those, are, those are not good teams. And the, the Pokes will be, you know, on a talent level, pretty, pretty much in the ball, same ballpark as those guys. So, so I think that if you can get past that and get some wins to close the season, if it's two out of three of the last – uh, of the last three, it gives you some momentum going forward, and and I think that they're still in that mode where they feel like they can do that. This it's interesting that that game against Nichols, which you know the Cowboys were competitive and it was two one-win programs going at it there. Um, I think that would have been a key one for the for the Pokes if they could have won that. Uh, and Coach Goff was really like I said, he was just uh, exhausted looking afterwards. But this week he's the same Coach Goff says they're having good practices. There's some concern over the quarterback position. Knox Kadem was injured in the fourth quarter of the game uh, against Nichols, and 
he's questionable to go. Uh, earlier in the week, it was it looked like there was no chance. He's gotten a little better each day of practice this week, so there is some chance. But they may be playing some freshmen and some other guys. Um, they, he said they could they could t- possibly, if Kadem's unable to go, um, there's three different quarterbacks they might take a look at. So that's interesting, too. All right, so one more question. Um, it, in that last three games, if they're going to win two or three of those games, what's the main thing you think they've got to improve upon in order to beat the, to win those winnable games at the end? It's, it's really been all about mistakes in, in all of the games that they were competitive in. Um, they just made mistakes that were huge. And, uh, you know, you can, you can have a blown coverage and, and give up a first down, but if you give up an 89-yarder like happened last week, that's where it's been crushing to the, to the Cowboys. They have not had a game where they've played anywhere close to a complete game, either in terms of, you know, hey, we played well the whole time or, um, or we didn't make mistakes. And, and, and some of that's youth, some of that's inexperience, some of that's inexperience with the, the defensive um, scheme and the offensive scheme, particularly earlier in the season. But I'm just waiting for them to play a good game for four quarters. And, and if they do that in any of those three games, uh, at, at the end, I think they should win. Um, but, you know, the other teams may be in the same boat. So we'll, we'll see. It's uh, it's going to be interesting down the stretch. All righty, sir. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good weekend. Great. Thanks. Appreciate it, Kevin. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Thank you. Again, Mr. Tom Hafer, voice of the McNeese State Cowboys. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, shift gears, and – I don't know. I, I guess I'll, I'll get some Saints talk out of the way because it, 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 the, the bad news just keeps on coming. And, and, and it just, again, it's been three straight years of this every week. You know, the injury report is like reading a novel. And, and, and it just, and, 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 you, and every once in a while you get this surprising new chapter that just makes you want to throw up. And, and, and we got that again yesterday so we'll um we'll take a time out we'll come back and talk about the latest discouraging news coming out of saints camp next on the game great news my sports loving friend no more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, the Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting the Crow Fest. Downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, Saturday from 6 to 8. It's a family-friendly family, family friendly event. They'll be trick-or-treating along St. Peter Street, which will be closed for traffic for this event. There'll be all kinds of games, haunted house, petting zoo, costume contests, and a pumpkin carving contest as well. Again, the Crow Fest in downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m. on St. Peter Street. Sounds like a great opportunity for families in that area. All right. 
Saints. Obviously, uh, I did not get to see. I was covering the Cajuns in Southern Miss last night. And by the way, the the the, the game hotline is 706-0111. We'll try to. I'm in Hattiesburg, and so we're doing it remotely. Um, but we'll we'll try to uh, get calls in if we can for sure. Uh, hope to be able to do that. Get your reaction for the World Series or the Saints or the Cajuns or high school football, whatever you would like. We're going to get to high school football a little bit later in the show, run down the scores and a couple of um, kind of really nice win for some programs in our area, so we definitely want to discuss that. But last night, the, the Yucks got beat by the Ravens. It's something that I, I'm paying some attention to, but not a lot. Again, to me, I, I, I have the mindset right now, let, let's have the Saints win a game. Let, let, let's see if they can play a game, not turn it over 75 times, um, actually have some people play in the game. I mean, they don't really ever play, most of them. Um, let, let's see if a couple of them will play in the game, and then let's see if they can not make critical mistakes and pick sixes, and, and let's just win a game, and then we'll worry about what anybody else is doing. That, that's kind of my mindset right now. I'm just so frustrated with the weekly – um, just long draft essay of the injury report. And speaking of the injury report, once again, Michael Thomas is on it, but that that's getting to be, that didn't even bother you anymore. I'm like, he's played so few games over the last three seasons. That's not an, an alarming thing. I think this offense can score 30-something points without him. Jarvis Landry. Apparently, he's never going to play either. I mean, it just – you get all excited. You get this guy a veteran. He, he, he makes some huge catches in the first game, and then and, and, and you hardly ever see him again. I mean, he, apparently, he's never going to play. Uh, Adam Troutman, uh, he, he, he didn't do anything at first, and then he had a couple encouraging games, and now, you know, who knows when he's ever going to play again. Um, that's day one, Marshawn Lattimore. I, I don't, I don't know. As bad as the defense looks right now, can they win a game without him? I don't know. I mean, really, I'm, I'm not convinced that they can win a game with him as bad as the defense has looked. Uh, and so th- th- there's no reason to believe that he's going to play in this game, which is, um, awful. Andrus Pete, he's been out a million weeks since, seems like since they drafted him and he was limited in practice. And then we get the zinger yesterday. You know, all those things were awful news, but you kind of figured him going in. And now Jawan Johnson shows up on the injury report. Now, I don't know that he's going to be out. I haven't heard that anyway yet, but you know, he's one of the few encouraging signs of this season. He, he's kind of figured some things out. He's kind of a turned into a safety blanket. It, it, it's great when you, you, you have a guy like that. He's an undrafted free agent. You, you see early on that he has some potential. He makes the team, and then they make a position switch, and he goes through a transition, and now it looks like he's kind of figured it out. He could actually help this offense. You know, but he could be the safety. I mean, the safety. He could be the tight end down the road. That could be a big play tight end for this team. He looks like he has that potential. And now he's on the injury report. Limited in practice. Just unbelievable. I mean, it just never ends. 
just never ends. I saw um, a headline earlier in the week where it's the Chicago Bears says, man, I mean, I don't know the word for word, but it was basically like, this is unbelievable. The Bears have a good injury report. And what did they do? They went out and won by double figures on the road. I mean, it's just... Michelle gets really angry at me because when I'm watching the Broncos play and they do something that I've been hoping the Saints to do or the Saints to get, like if they call holding on the opposing offensive line or something like that, I'll just say it must be nice. It makes her so mad. She's like, just shut up. But, but, um, <clears throat> but I mean, you know, must be nice. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I know we're not supposed to covet, but. You know, as a Saints fan over the last three years, it's been hard not to covet somebody who actually has an injury report with just, you know, one or two names on it, and they're not like one of your best, most crucial players. I mean, it just it just must be nice. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable. So, you know, again, without, without that's day one, um, and Adebo is on the injury report, he's limited. Uh, you know, if Adebo can't really be Adebo, and that's day one doesn't play, which there's no reason to believe he's going to play. I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to win. I really. I, I don't have any idea. Like who's going to defend anyone? The opportunity is there, but with those guys out on the field, I don't know who's going to defend anyone. I really don't. I don't know how they're going to win this game. Turnovers is always the way you can win, but that when do they get any of those? Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm struggling. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Man, look, I, I don't let I don't let uh, these sports kind of take over my days anymore. Uh, I'm always a true fan, but, you know, at the end of the day, you gotta you still got to take care of business and take care of the family, so don't let it stress you out too much. But, uh, man, I, it, it's crazy with all these injuries, like around the league, period. And, and I've been watching football for quite a long time. I don't ever really remember a time where it was this many injuries. And, it, and, it, and I'm not just talking about this year. Actually, the last couple of years, it's been this way. But like previous, I'm, I'm not sure I ever remember a time when so many stars or so many guys were getting injured. It's like, you know, I think I think maybe the NFL should, you know, uh, put 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 places in measure, put things in place to uh, you know help the teams out with with some of these issues that they having with 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 retention, with guys getting injured and and having a roster or people to actually fill your roster for game day. Because like you said, you know, I mean, you know, Anante Taylor is going to be starting on sun on Sunday. You know, if he goes down, like who else is going to play corner? You know, you know I, I just wonder, I, I thought one time, what would a team do if they get, like, five season-ending offensive linemen injuries in, 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 in the second quarter of a game? Like, you're going into halftime and you don't have five offensive linemen to put on the field. What would you do? Right. I mean, I, right. but you know what? I also think I'm wondering – if everyone in the NFL needs to rethink how they train now. Like, we've been doing – the cheaters started this stuff decades ago. All bad trends start with the cheaters. 
Okay, they started this trend decades ago, and they got praised for, oh, we're not going to practice hardly. We're going to be soft and no contact, and we're not going to play football all week. We're just going to play our little finesse game and, and get all the calls from the officials. You know, They started that back in the 80s, and they got praised for it. And now they never practice anymore, and when they practice, there's no, it's not real football, and nobody's ready to play football. Right. And right. and I understand we're all afraid to get injured, and I play that game too. I hate watching preseason games when the Stars play. But no one's ready to play football. Preseason lasts a month now into the regular season, and, and everybody's hurt. I, I'm, I'm, somebody needs to sit down and say, are we sure we're doing this right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Especially, it almost seems like they added that extra game. And 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 then injuries started hitting like all over all over the all over the uh, league, but uh, at least at least this Kevin, if you if you're gonna allow the teams to have, you know, let's say a practice squad, well, let them have their practice squad at the end of the preseason when they make the cuts, and you say, okay, X amount of guys made my active roster, I got X amount of guys that make my practice squad, that is your squad. It shouldn't be allowed, other teams shouldn't be allowed to come and take people off of your actual team. Right, I got you. No, that, that, you know, I mean, they made the team, you know, and and, and if, and if somebody gets hurt or, or, or a a, a team needs to replace somebody else, they could just grab from their practice squad. And if they got to replace, replace somebody on the practice squad because they get called up, well, you get somebody off the street that's sitting at home, you know, I don't get to go and, and take a running back off of Green Bay's squad or, you know, like they did to us, come and take Murray to go and play in Denver. That's like, what's the point? He was sitting at, he was sitting at the house the week before, <laughs> you know? So, but uh, we'll see, Kevin. I mean, I don't, I, you know, the Bucks laid an egg last night. You know, they, they keep laying eggs. I don't know what, what, what's up with Tom Brady and the Bucks and the Yucks, as you call them. But I'm I'm not man, worried they, about they, them. I mean, I, again, the Saints have to prove they can win a game, and and then I'll I'll get obviously the opportunities there when you look at the standings in the division. But again, it, it, until that's day one comes back, I, I just I don't know how they're going to stop anybody. I mean, they ain't stopped anybody in ye and seems like in years since last season. You know, and look, right. I understand they played well defensively, theoretically, in Arneville. But Baker Mayfield was the quarterback. They're measurable. And, yeah, they played well against the Yucks, but how good are the Yucks? Like, I, they really haven't played a good defensive game, in a, you know, really all season other than those two. And now those two don't even look like good defensive games when you consider it was preseason and those teams just aren't good on offense. Right, right. To me, it, they haven't played a complete team game. You know, some some weeks the offense is is is, is, is playing well, and then some weeks the defense is playing well. Uh, you know, but they haven't played a complete. A complete you know, the game, game in London was the closest season. thing to it. They didn't play great defensively, but they at least competed defensively, and they played well enough. And the officials just decided to take that one from them. So it's just yeah. been that kind of a season, just awful. I appreciate the call, sir. Hang in there. Well, I need hey, to what, hang in there. It what, sounds what, like what you already thing. are. I don't, I don't know if uh, somebody told you, but I, I heard a report that uh, I think Sean Payton was in, in the building at the uh, Saints facility yesterday. I'm not going to read into it too much, but just, just to drop that little nugget on you. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Casper the Quitter.
I don't want to think about Casper the Quitter right now. <sighs> just, just brutal. Now, look, I understand things can happen. And, and if the Saints get to plus two, plus three, can they win this game? Yeah. I mean, it's two NFL teams. You know, the Raiders, again, I know everyone. I heard someone say, man, if you can't beat the Raiders, well, the Raiders could easily be 6-0 and right now. Like, easily. Without any amount of imagination at all. Like, they have played pretty well. They just have lost a million close games. Now, again, I'm not saying it's impossible to beat them, but the Saints have played maybe one game this year. Maybe one game this year. Maybe the Viking game. That's that's at a high enough level that can win this game. Sunday. So it, I think it's going to take at least a plus two. And from a defense that hadn't forced any turnovers. I mean, they've had, they have, what, one interception all season. Like, they don't, they don't like turnovers. I, I don't see how it's going to happen. But, again, if it does, it'll give you hope. And, you know, it's fun to have hope. I get that. It's fun to have hope. But unless, that's day one better come back soon at cornerback. Um, and, you know, Jawan Johnson better play. I, you know, it's just – I don't see how they're going to do it, but if they do, um, you know, they they could be tied for first. <laughs> it's just – and, look, I'll take it. I don't feel bad at all. You know, I, nobody was feeling sorry for the Saints when the years they won 13 games and they had to travel in the playoffs. No one was feeling sorry for the Saints the years they won 12 games and they a wild card on the road. No one was feeling sorry for the Saints the year they had to travel to a seven-win team. Look, I, I think seven wins is going to win this division. Seven. And so I'm not going to feel bad. But I don't even know the way, unless they get some healthy bodies, I don't see how they're going to get to seven wins. We'll see. Sickening. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Footnotes from Hattiesburg on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you about the Lopa Trail Run for Life, Lopa's Trail Run for Life is Sunday, that's a couple days from now, there's a 10K, a 5K, a one-mile superhero fun run. Uh, it's all taking place at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm located at 200 Flying W Road in Karen Crow. Participating supports Lopa and a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes, which help you celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit Lopa, L-O-P-A dot org. All right, in the next hour, we are going to talk a little high school football and also the World Series. Tonight is probably best that I've been traveling and busy and trying to find out how in the world to maneuver to rock. I never had so much trouble getting on a football field before as last night. But uh, anyway, um, we... um, we're going to talk about the World Series, the history of it, the today of it, and it is, um, you know, it's 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 a big moment 
as a sports fan, I'm, I'm, it's another reason why I'm so angry with the Saints that, you know, I'm not fully able to just relish in the greatness that the Astros' run, recent run has been because of, um, you know, the Saints injury report each week and how bad they've been playing. But, and also the nerves, I've been trying not to think about it because these four days, at some point, it's, at some level, it's nice to relish it. But at another level, it's like, man, it's just, I can't, you know, the, the, the anticipation, you know, the old Heinz 57 commercial with Carly Simon is just anticipation is, is, is really starting to get to me. Because in the middle of that, you, you see all, hear all these crazy comments about how, you know, there's no way the Astros are going to lose and. You know, crazy predictions they're going to sweep or win in five games. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but there's no way I can go into a series after having experienced last year and especially 2019 or just having, like, ever seen baseball. It doesn't take – it doesn't take even having to, like, experience getting beat by the Nationals in the 2019 World Series, it's like, um, it's baseball. Like, Luke said it perfectly when I asked him. He's like, man, have they ever seen baseball? I mean, it, it, mismatch at this level, it's just, it, it, it's not an appropriate term is basically what Luke was saying. I think he's right. I mean, it's a, what it is, is it's a football. Football comment is what it is. It's a football. The problem is this ain't football. It's baseball. No such thing as a mismatch. No such thing. So we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, and talk about some happier things. High school football and the World Series after talking about the Cajuns' loss in the Saints next hour on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Want to remind you, um, first of all, that if you want to get in, even though we are in Hattiesburg on location, we are able to take a few phone calls. So if you would like to get in, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would talk about World Series or high school football or the Cajuns lost to Southern Miss last night or the Saints situation or if you got a chance to go to a good high school football game last night, you want to tell us about it, certainly feel free to do it. And speaking of high school football, want to run down the scores from last night in case you miss it. Start with kind of the big games. Acadiana beat Karen Crow 21-20. to And so what an interesting score and game. We talked to Coach Corville earlier this week on the show about this. You know, Acadiana lost two in a row. I'm sure they weren't real fond of, around Acadiana High this week of losing three in a row. So, you know, they were playing extra hard. And I just didn't know how the game would play out. You know, Karen Crow has struggled on defense uh, this year. Uh, you know, they won the crazy 72-55 to game last week over Sam Houston. And Acadiana 
when they've played good teams this year, they've they've kind of gotten beat. Like they've done a great job of just handling teams that they're better than, just crushing them. But they haven't done a real good job when they have played good teams and winning. And and Karen Crow was seven and one coming into this game. Their only loss to was the Southside, and again that loss didn't look so bad after what Southside has done uh, all season long. And so, um, you know, kind of a gut check game for Acadiana, really, really, really big gut check game. And so they got the win, twenty-one twenty over Karen Crow. That game's almost always close and competitive, and what a great series that's been over the years. Barbie Como forty-seven twenty-four, Ascension Episcopal. You know, struggled early on to get wins, uh, played against some really athletic teams, and played up. And now they're starting to reap the benefits. They beat Delcom forty-five to seven. Uh, Erath beat Crawley thirty-nine twenty-eight. St. Martinville, another one, struggled to win a game for early on, and and now they're they're over five hundred. They're five and four. They handled Abbeville forty-two to nineteen. St. Martinville is going to be a tough out in their playoffs. I don't even know what to call the playoffs anymore because it's all different now. But the bracket, whatever bracket St. Martinville is in, which I think is Division Two non-select maybe, or I think that's right. But whatever bracket they're in, they're going to be a tough out. Another nice win last night, really nice. The Eunice Bobcats, you know, they lost a game last week that I some people are like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know which direction Eunice is going in. But they hosted a 7-1 and Leesville team last night, the Wampus Cats, and they beat them 38-33, a really, really nice win for Coach Andre Vigier and his team. They have to feel a lot better about things after that win. As expected, Iota handled Port Barry 55-6. Notre Dame beat Grand Lake 45-7. Lauraville with a really nice win. You know, it's easy when you're, you know, you're at 9-1 or 10-0 and and everybody's in your cruising and you're beating a bunch of teams and you have a – you know, not every team gets to do that every year. It's kind of like what Raymond said a couple hours ago about mid-major programs, sometimes you just go through transition years. I mean, not everybody can just win nine or ten games every year. And so Lorville's had a couple really nice seasons this year. It's been a little bit more of a struggle. And they were 4-4 four and four playing against one of their arch rivals in Catholic High of New Iberia. Got a 20-17 to 17 win to move to 5-4 and four on the season. I'm sure that they're feeling a lot better about themselves. OC, real tough schedule early, and now it's paying off. They're just trounced another opponent last night beating Sacred Heart of Villeplatte 40 to 6. Uh St. Edmund beat Westminster 32 to 14 and Northwest another team that went from 4 and 4 to 5 and 4 hard fought 6 nothing win over Villeplatte. So uh tonight uh, a lot of high school football around the area obviously um Westgate is at St. Thomas More. Uh, Lafayette Christian is going to um North for me, and I think the game of the night in the Acadiana area tonight is going to be taking place in Abbeville, where Central Catholic of Morgan City, 7-1 and one on the season, is playing at undefeated Vermillion Catholic for that district title. So that's a really good one. All right, let's go to the game hotline, see what our old friend Bankrupt Dave has to say. Hello. Kevin. Yes, sir. Who's Bankrupt Dave? Who's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got the wrong thing. Oh, man. I mean, 
I ain't got that much money, but I guess I, got, I, 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 I can get the big rock. <laughs> big rock Rockefeller, you call me that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Kevin, all jokes off aside, Kevin, like I told you, people are crying now and everything about these injuries and stuff. And it might not sound like a lot, but I'm telling you, man, that that preseason games and stuff, not playing and all this other stuff, that's a, a major part of it. You look at these injuries, a lot of these injuries are lower injuries, leg injuries and stuff. That happens because you're not really in shape and stuff like that. A lot of times you're taking a long time to get in shape. You go out there, go out there and get in the line of fire and your stuff, your body ain't ready and you can get hurt. You know, you pull muscles, soft tissues and all that. That's what usually happens, man. And that's why I see these guys are too worried about these preseason games, but they want to get out there and play more. Like they used to and stuff. Yeah, we brought that up last hour. I'm wondering if the whole NFL, I'm wondering if the whole NFL needs to just rethink how they're doing things. This season has really been a disaster in terms of injuries. Well, 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 if you really look at it, though, okay, the NFL, okay, they can look at things that they want or whatever. You already know they're going to do what they do, however they want to do it. But at the same time, they still have preseason games, correct? How many preseason games they have? Three. Okay. No, when so, I say the NFL, I'm talking about all the individual teams need to look like maybe we're not yeah. doing this right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you yeah. know, like I said, the teams and the, the teams themselves, even our Saints and the other teams themselves, have to just say, okay, well, look, we have to just play some of these guys more in the preseason, regardless of how many games we got. We got a little game and stuff like that, maybe or whatever. But our guys, our regular guys. Have to play a little more. At least a quarter, like I see in these games and stuff. You get these guys lathered up, get them going and stuff. That when the season starts, their body is not behind the game really and stuff. And and that that's a big difference, man. People can say what they want, but they're crying about the preseason stuff. A lot of these people ask for this. They ask for it and everything. Now you're seeing what's really happening, and this 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 has something to do with it. I don't care. People can say, "Oh, just a coincidence." Blah blah blah. That has something to do with it. Same in basketball, your body has to be ready. If your body ain't ready, you will get hurt. A lot of these guys, they come out early, like you said, in the third, fourth week, they're still in preseason mode because their body not ready. You know, it, it takes you a while to get your body ready. Half of them hurt during training camp and all this other stuff, so you're really behind the eight ball, and by the time you get back, you ain't did nothing in so long. So you have to get your body back uh, up to par, and look, again, you work too hard, do too much, you get hurt. So, I mean, yeah, it's the NFL themselves, but these teams got to use their own brains, too, sometimes and do what's right for your team and for your players. And you want to, you know, do, do the right thing. Don't, just, don't depend on just the NFL, because the NFL ain't going to help you all the time, but they don't want to help nobody, you know. So you got to really try to help yourself and do the right things for your team. So our own teams, our Saints and everybody else got to use their own temples and do their own work, homework, and do the job themselves. I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Thanks for the call. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, you ready? Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I don't think I'm ready. Um, you know, I hope Justin Verlander is. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, you know, I've heard all this talk about how it's going to be a mismatch, and I, I you know, I, all I know is uh, the Phillies can hit, and you look at their lineup; it's way better than the Yankees lineup. And plus, again, the Astros know how to face the Yankees. And then I don't think the Astros know how to face the Phillies. I mean, they hardly ever play them. Hardly ever play them, exactly. We we were very familiar with the Yankees and the Mariners prior to that. I mean, two yeah. teams that we seem to have a hex over are you know, kind of in their heads. The Phillies don't yes. know anything about us. Right. Uh, I think tonight's game, 
well, they're all crucial. But tonight's game would, is we need to win that to set the tone because if you look at what the Phillies have done recently, they opened up in San Diego and won the first game. They opened up in Atlanta and won the first game. They opened up in St. Louis and won the first game. You know, on the road. They even opened up in you know Houston that last series of the you know of the regular season. They're in a habit of winning the first game on the road, and that's what we had to stop. Plus, the Astros never seemed to win the first game of a World Series. That's which, true. Which would help, you know, for a change. So uh, I think really we'd like to set the tone differently tonight if at all possible. But uh, as far as overlooking or listening to all these people who, who are predicting a you know, a five-game series or a four-game sweep or whatever, our team should know better. The players should know better. Well, Maybe I sure hope break. so. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because yeah. we've been through it. I mean, we've lost to teams we should have beaten, especially three years ago, which still sticks in my claw. But, you know, but... And, and again, there's a lot of similarities between that team and this team. Well, sure. Sure, two dominant starting pitchers. That's what, this, you know. And bullpens that traditionally have been one of the biggest problems for those teams. And for whatever reason, down the stretch, both bullpens basically gotten better. Like, yeah. the the Phillies, the bullpen, it was a problem for the Nationals forever until the very end of that down the stretch. And the, it's been a problem for the Phillies forever. And, 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 and I don't know that their personnel is all that much better, but they're they're pitching better, and so yeah, they're just they're just playing better. Yeah, so um, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I think tonight's game would really set the entire tone um, one way or the other, and I, I you know, I, it's imperative. So um, we'll see what happens. But um, don't don't right, tell you what, I'll tell you what I'll make a prediction, Kevin. If we win tonight, we'll take it. Well, I, I will feel much better if they win tonight. But again, I've seen Verlander give up, get hit too much in the postseason to think that all oh, you know they're going to win. We got the Cy Young pitcher and all that foolishness. I, I I don't feel good, but I'll feel better if they win tonight. You're right. All right. Good luck. Let's take it. Thank you. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie, what you need to do is get up at 1.30 in the morning and go through a 20-hour birthing process waiting on your first grandchild. Oh, wow, man. That, yeah. is, that is something. I've yeah. done it as a father, but I've not done it as a grandfather. No, sir. Well, and let me explain something. It's much harder when you're on, you're on the other side of a door and your child and your grandchild are in that room and, there's, and you can't do nothing. Right. Now, you want to talk about a helpless feeling. That is a helpless feeling. And so, and that's when the, I'm going to send you a picture. That, that's when the voice of experience as of yesterday. So, so but is everything your, good? Is everything good, though? No, Give us, everything is good. Everything is good except one person is very, very tired. Yeah, I got you. Well, congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you very, very much. Now, let's go over a few things. All right, first and foremost, I don't know anybody. If somebody's thinking Aaron Nola is just being trotted out there, like, the, the, you know, because Philadelphia don't have another pitcher. I mean, he went six and two-thirds perfect inning just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this ain't – this is not a chump. I mean, this dude has, like, 200-something strikeouts and 20 walks. I mean, this, 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 ain't no, this ain't no walkover that the Astros have tonight. Oh no, I don't 
I don't think that at all. I mean, obviously, he shut the Astros down. I kind of think that's why um, their manager decided to – most people were thinking that it was going to be Wheeler in the first game and Nolan in the second game. Uh, I kind of think that he switched it because Nola pitched so well. You know, that there could be something to that. Some pitchers just match up well with some lineups, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, no, I mean, it, that's a one-two situation. Either way he went made sense to me. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, it just sounded like Mr. Tom might have thought they were just throwing Nola out there, but they're not just throwing Nola out there. Now, footsie. Congratulations to the Acadian Wrecking Rams. They showed some fight. I was a little down on them. You know, last week I was kind of upset about that. I was talking to a friend of mine in Mississippi. I asked how Acadian was doing. I said, they're not doing too good this year. He said, what, they lose two or three games? I said, yes. He said, you know, some teams would appreciate just losing three games. So I kind of had to get a new perspective. But that was a good game. And, hey, they showed some fight last night. So, you know, when you show some fight, that's what it is. I have to appreciate that. And put the last but not least, the NFL, come on, man. This is a joke. Like you say, they play four preseason games and charge regular season prices to those games. I mean, they, they are, weeks one through four are regular season games. I mean, preseason games. They're not even putting forth their best effort, man. That's that, they ripping off the customer. That's wrong. That, that, that's terrible. They, they, they need to figure out a new game plan. Yeah, no. What they need to do is go back to 14 games. That's what they need to do. Instead of having more games, they need they need to contract. Them and college football both need to contract. I mean, they they they, they are, I guess I don't know. That might not be the right word, but they need college needs to go back to 11 and pro needs to go back to 14. Well, in this age of gambling, better. in this age of gambling, Mr. Bitter, that ain't happening. Oh, no, gambling has yeah. took off at this point. Oh, no, it, it ain't happening. Yeah, no, gambling is oh, gambling is everywhere, buddy. You yeah. better believe it is everywhere. Well, all right, Footsie, well, I, I'm Congratulations. Gonna I'll Congratulations. Take a nap. Take a nap before the World Series. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to take a nap. And, and <laughs> poor Hannah, she got like 100 and something days before she even just gets married. Here we are talking about grandbabies and everything. <laughs> All right. Hang in there. All right, Putsy. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We'll take a timeout. We come back. We'll talk a little more about Phillies, Astros, game one of the World Series. And for a long-time Astro fans like me, lots of nostalgia there. We'll talk about that and more on the other side of this timeout. On the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Want to remind you, if you would like to get in on the game hotline, you could do so. 
706-0111, on this Friday as we try to get us to, well, I would say a football Friday night. We've had a huge football Thursday night, but there will be some games tonight, about half the schedule tonight. Again, you've got uh, St. Thomas More against defending 4A state champion uh, Westgate. You've got uh, Vermillion Catholic in a big game against Central Catholic of Morgan City. Lafayette Christian at North Vermillion tonight. Northside at Turlings and Southside. Uh, Put 7-1 record. Trying to finish off after the big win over Kadiana. They still got to avoid a letdown and and win these last two games if they're going to be outright district champs. They play Lafayette High. Tonight, and uh, you can hear that game on Mustang 107.1. So, um, the World Series, game one. And by the way, on the World Series, game one, you can hear all the action. 6.30 Astro launch, 7.03 scheduled first pitch on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. All right, so... Before I, I get to um, talking a little nostalgia, Astros, Phillies, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Tonight, what you think? I mean, come on. I know you're worried about the Phillies. We're always worried because you care, right? It always goes back to that. You give a damn. Well, you, you, you care and you worry. But right. You're really worried about their starting pitcher? I'm worried about Verlander getting lit is what I'm worried about, to be honest right, with because, you. Yeah. Because he can be great, and then he has the other potential. That, yes. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for you, Strohs, too, man. I got it, got, it on, got, it, got it on my agenda. Now, moving to the Saints, because I'm your how-you-want-to-win guy. Man, I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you how you want to win, but I want to see Carr all worried, because I think that's the way to do it, along with – Swiss Army Knife needs to step up, and a couple of players, man, they got to step up. They got to fill the gap. But, you know, I'm looking at a score, Kevin. I'm, I'm hoping for a score around 30 to, like, 26, something like that, Saints win. I'm going to hang up and listen, Kevin. All right, thanks. Well, again, I, you know, this I, I'm not going to feel good about this team. Look, if they win, I'll have hope. And – um, hope is a good thing, but in my mind, I think if they're going to win, they're going to have to, you know, approach 40, but so, but to answer Mark's question, how I want the team to win is for the defense to play. I mean, nothing would give me more hope and get me just out of the just sickening frustration and anger about what's going on this season with all the injuries and the bad play and everything that's happened to this team is if the defense plays well. You got to play defense. It's, look, offense is fun, but if you can't play defense, it's just it's hard. You, there's no there's no consistency with that. There's there, you just can't there's no longevity if you can't play defense. There's no way of going into there's no way of doing anything if you can't play defense. So that I want to win with the defense, whether it's sack, fumbles, interceptions, or just playing good defense. How about just play good defense? How about like a three and out every once in a while? I mean, they, they just need they just need to win with defense.
Bruins. All right, game one of the World Series. The, the Philly, for those of you who um, are longtime Astro fans or you're just a longtime baseball fan and you're older, 1980, the Astros played the Phillies. First time the Astros ever made the playoffs. Understand that in 1979, the Astros, they were leading the whole season in the division. That was back when they just had four divisions. And uh, at the very end, they collapsed a little bit, and the and the Reds beat them by a game and a half. I guess there was some game they didn't make up or something, but they finished a game and a half out uh, that year. And then 1980, looked like they were going to be headed for the playoffs for the first time ever. They go to um, Dodger Stadium to play the punks, and all they got to do is win one game. The great Nolan Ryan pitched, and, of course, he didn't get it done. But um, uh, and, and, and guess what happened? They only needed one win to win the division, and they got swept. So they had to play a game 163 on a Monday afternoon, and Joe Necro and Art Howe came through. Two old-looking men that don't even look like, you know, they don't even look all that athletic, but, boy, they got it done that day. Art Howe had a big day at the plate. Joe Necro pitched. The Astros won. Uh, I ran out of my house and just ran around my subdivision, just jumping up and down. I mean, just running. I ran a mile. I don't even know. I didn't even think I could run a mile. But I ran all the way around the subdivision, just running and jumping. It was just great, great fun. So so they play in a five-game series in the NLCS against the Phillies. And, again, it, it's arguably the best five-game series in Major League Baseball history. Four of the five games went extra innings and – the Astros led 5-2 to two going to the eighth in the decider game, and Nolan Ryan's on the hill, and guess what happened? Eh. Nolan Ryan choked again, and the Astros got beat by Dale Unser. Could not get pinch hitter Dale Unser out. Manny Trio was the MVP, but you know, if you have time, and I did some of this, I think it was on Tuesday night maybe. I don't know. It was only about an hour, maybe a little bit more than that. But I, I looked up on YouTube game two. I just wanted to experience. It was the Astros' first ever postseason victory. Game two of that series, they got beat three to one on a two-run homer off a of Ken Force by Greg Lazinski in game one. The bull, they called that cat. And um, and and it was just weird that there were some things about that game that you could just tell the games played a little differently now. For one thing is, um. They swung at a lot of high pitches. I, I mean, I guess you swing, like, especially Altuve swings at a lot of high. I was surprised at how many high pitches there were. These days, there's more pitches trying to get people out in the dirt and throwing it low and swinging over. And and back then, I mean, a lot of pitches were up, a lot of them. And, and, and they were swinging at a lot of those pitches. Man, Terry Poole had a great game uh, that night. Um, the other thing that was different is it's the seventh inning and both starting pitchers were in. And they both weren't pitching all that great, but they were leaning on it. They had a pitcher, Nolan Ryan, hit. He hit in the in the seventh inning down 2-1. to one. I mean, that would never happen today, even if they hadn't gotten rid of the DH. And so the game was played a little differently in some ways back then. The other thing is, man, the Phillies, they, they, the ball kept ricocheting off the backstop. They, they, their relay throws were not very good. I got to tell you, for a team that ended up winning the World Series in that game, but... But it was uh, it was very interesting to see, and the game ends with Mike Schmidt at the plate swinging at a 3-0 pitch and popping up the right field uh, after the Astros had scored four in the top of the tenth inning to win. Hold on and win seven to five. Joaquin Andujar got the last out. 
a young Joaquin Andujar, arguably the greatest name in Astro history, and uh, and uh, crazy. Now, so fast forward to, to this game. Uh, you know, the Phillies were favored in that game. They were more of the power-hitting team. They had Schmidt, who had led the league in home runs that year, uh, and Lazinski, who was a power hitter. You know, they had some great names on that team. Bake McBride, one of the great names in, in Major League Baseball history, was the right fielder. And Gary Maddox played center field. Um, the, old, the old saying back then was three-quarters of the earth is covered by water and the other quarter is covered by Gary Maddox. That's what they, that's what, that's what they said about him back, back in the day. So, uh, you know, the Phillies were really good. But, again, the Astros could have won. They, they, there were four extra inning games, and they only won two of them. And they lost two extra inning games, and then they lost three to one in, that, in the game one. So, again, the, the thing about the Astros, if you do a position-by-position position matchup – the Phillies, there are quite a few positions that you would give the advantage to the Phillies. The, 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 the big advantage on paper, like if I was analyzing this series and my team wasn't in it, like I always say, it's useless for me to make a prediction. If the Astros or the, or the Saints are involved, it's just too much heart in it. it heart either what, going either way. I mean, it's just, you know, it's silly. But if I was analyzing – this, if I was like a fan of another team and I just was a baseball fan, I would say, I think what I would be saying is the Astros have a deeper, better bullpen and over a seven-game series, that's going to matter. It may not matter in three, it may not matter in four and five, but it should matter in seven, and hopefully it will. Um, we'll see. But the bullpen's got to pitch well, one. And, and the other thing is the Astros have to hit, you know. They, you know, like like that game I saw, game two of the NLCS in 1980, the Astros were not considered a hitting team, and the Phillies were. And yet, the only reason they won the game is they scored seven runs. Like, to, to expect the Astros to win a bunch of two-to-one to three-to-two games like they have for most of the season, not so much two-to-one, but a few of them, but like four-to-three, four-to-two, three-to-two, I mean, it might happen once, maybe twice, but I don't expect that to happen much in this series. I, I, I just – I think they're going to be more run scored because the Phillies can hit. And so uh, they're, the, the Astros are have to hit. They just have to swing the bats. They're just going to have to swing the bats in this series. And, boy, to Bankrupt Day's point, man, it'd be nice to win a – it'd be nice to win a game one of a World Series. They don't, they don't do that. Man, I'm going to be a nervous wreck if they lose this game one tonight. I just, I just hope that doesn't happen. But um, to think that it won't or can't is just it's silliness. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back once I once this show's over and we're driving back. I'm afraid from Hattiesburg. I, I'm I'm afraid the nerves are really going to hit. It's going to be. I hope there's no traffic. Because my nerves might be bad. Anyway, we'll take a time out. We'll come back with more. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse at one, by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It will put you eligible for all kind of prizes here and there, seasonal that come up, or the old regulars, like $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen there or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Again, you can't be eligible for any of these prizes unless you join today. So go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So as they say, sign up today. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 if you would like to get in. We talked a lot about the Cajun loss last night to Southern Miss in the first game, but we've talked, kind of got on some other subjects since then. So, if you have any thoughts about that uh, game, the Cajuns and Southern Miss, if you missed it, the Cajuns lost 39 24. It was kind of a crazy game. First play of the game, Cajuns get an interception. Looks like things are going to go well, but they don't, they get to a fourth and one. Well, before that, they get to a third and one. And they throw deep. I'm not a big fan of throwing deep on third and one and fourth and one. I just, I guess if you have the lead and, and, and you're trying to deliver the coup de grace and you think the other team's in a little bit of a desperation mode and you think they're going to be crowding the box, I guess I can see it. Not a big fan on throwing deep on third and one or fourth and one. So they throw deep on third and one and then run Chris Smith and he gets stuffed for a one-yard loss on fourth and one. Did not like that series at all. I'd have kicked the 40 or attempted the 47-yard field goal. We'll see, um, I guess, down the road because uh, Kenny Amadeus, he did make one uh, from 40. Um, no, he missed a 40-yarder. And so he, he did make uh, one field goal from 50 yards, and then he missed a 40-yarder. So, you know – he, guys are going to miss they had, here and there. He had made six in a row, which was which was positive. But I'd, I'd have tried the 47-yarder there and and taken the points because I really believe that if you t- and it was a ser- it was a game where if you take the lead, it could have an early lead. The game might have been a little different at that point. Well, it unraveled after that. Before you knew it, before the dust settled, it was 29 to five. In the middle of the second quarter, it was like. You kind of had the feeling like, uh, what am I watching? You know, it, that's kind of how it felt like uh, in, the, in the second quarter. In, in one hand, on the other hand, it was like, well, I've seen this game before. I mean, the Cajuns coming to Hattiesburg, it's normally ugly. And we've said it over and over and over and over again all week. But, again, for those who don't quite get it or you don't buy it, I mean, understand this was the second most competitive performance by a Cajun football team in Hattiesburg in 40 years <laughs> it's just it sounds crazy because you're down 29 to 5 but again um with two minutes and plus to play the Cajuns had the ball down eight and we talked a lot about it in the first hour it didn't have to be eight could have been seven if you kicked the extra point could have, if you'd have made a field goal or attempted one or two more or not fumbled, could have been a whole lot closer. So there were a lot of coulda, woulda, shouldas in this game. 
for a game that was 29 to 5 and looking ugly in the middle of the th- of the second quarter. And so um and then of course they 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 got sacked, you know, through a pick six and you know, but if you look at Southern Miss's scoring plays, they had a pick six. They had a 52-yard touchdown pass by a running back on in a Wildcat scenario. And they had a 76-yard touchdown pass for a one-play scoring drive. On a play where this, the Cajuns blitzed and they picked it up and made a big play. Uh, look, look, it seemed like they made the Cajuns pay for their aggressiveness. And again, I, I get why the Cajuns... You're trying to, to beat a team that is really good at home and, and, and you've heard all week about how, you know, you never win there and you've only won there once and you're figuring, well, if we're going to win this game, we need to go take it to them, not be passive. And I think most fans would agree with that. You want to be aggressive, not passive. But it seemed like every time the Cajuns tried to get aggressive, especially early in the game, it just it backfired. When they when they blitz, they took advantage of it. When they tried to go down the field early in the game, pick off. When they tried to go for it early in the game after a, after a Cajun pick, they stuffed them. And uh, the aggressive approach didn't start working until once they got down by twenty something points in the in the second quarter. The Cajuns started getting that deep passing game going, and Michael Jefferson had a great game: six receptions for one hundred seventy nine yards. Um, and a touchdown. So was uh, that part was impressive. The 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 fact that the the passing game was able to, despite a pretty big rush a lot of the night, was able to kind of get the team back in it. And again, if they'd have just turned it over twice, they might have won the game. But four turnovers, ooh, man, that's that's tough. That's a that's a tough one to overcome. And the, again, the really crippling one was. You still had a little momentum coming into the half, and then you start come out and you and you drive right down the field two quick first downs. You're running the balls. Offense is looking crisp, and if you can get in the end zone right there, you really got a chance. And and, and you fumble the football, so you don't even get a field goal. And it's um, that was rough, rough one. So any comments you may have on the Cajun loss of Southern Miss, uh, the Saints situation, we talked about that in the first hour as well, and of course the World Series if. Game one tonight, and again, you can hear that on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. So they will be covering the the Astros game. Uh, if you've heard, we've, it's been mentioned several times today on RP3 and company as well as here that the Astros, they don't win game ones of World Series in, in historically. Well, they never have. Obviously, they didn't win one in 05 because they, they, they could have. What's his name? The little middle infielder, um, utility player. I'm looking at his face and can't think of his name. Got a big hit in the ninth inning, and they tied the game. And it, I don't even want to talk about Scott Posednik. I'm sick enough already today. But anyway, they they ended up losing the game, but uh, in game one in 05, and then they lost game one uh, to the Dodgers when Justin Turner hit that home run, drove me crazy. Uh, late and and they lost that game. They lost both the first games one and two and in night in nineteen and then to the Braves last year. So they just they have not gotten off to good starts in World Series. And 
you know, it's going to be critical that Justin Verlander not get lit. Um, you know, I'm hoping that four days off has calmed the Phillies down a little bit, and we'll see. Sometimes it can take a team after an extended break a little time to to get back in a groove offensively. Hopefully, Verlander's pitching so well it doesn't matter. You know, um, we talk about whether it's defense or pitching in baseball or defense in another sport. If you play great defense, it can normally beat good offense, but you got to make great pitches. Got to make great pitches, and hopefully – He can do that and put up three or four zeros early in the game tonight and give the offense a chance to get a lead and settle in and not not be playing catch-up like they did in game one of the ALDS. And uh, you don't want to try – you don't want to try any of that kind of stuff. That is just not a good situation. You don't want to try any of that. And so we'll see what happens in that game one tonight. And, again, we've got high school football. Half of our schedule in the Katyana area was played last night. The other half is playing tonight. So still a really busy – you know, LSU doesn't play. We're going to be talking a lot of more LSU football next week when going into the Alabama game. But um, – and the Cajuns don't play this weekend. So you've got – you know, McNeese is playing. Uh, got a tough one, tough assignment against Southeastern. And Southland Conference play, and then the World Series, and then, you know, other college football in the NFL, including the Saints on Sunday against the Raiders. And, and I got to tell you, a game I, I don't feel real good about. I, I don't know if I can feel real good about the, the Saints against anyone until they get some healthy bodies back, but especially a Raider team that is equally as desperate and, ironically, probably in worse shape than the Saints are in even though they're a half a game better, and they've played better. I mean, they could be 6-0 and easily. You know, they, they, they have really messed up some games at the end this year. And, um, but because they're in the AFC, I mean, you know, nine wins may not do it, much less eight wins in, in the AFC. And so it's, it's, they're in a desperate situation. Like, who is going to defend an elite receiver on this team? I mean, I, I think Adebo can if he's healthy, but is he really healthy? And if he was healthy, he wouldn't be limited in practice. And if Jawan Johnson doesn't play, I mean, you already don't have Jarvis. You, you know, you never have Michael Thomas. But um, if Jarvis, you don't have Troutman. So if, if Jawan Johnson doesn't play, that's going to hurt the offense tremendously. I mean, they're going to really have to get big plays out of Rasheen and I mean, Traquan's gonna have to come up big. He made a couple catches last week, but he's gonna somebody's gonna somebody who's a four third or four stringer is gonna really have to step up for them to win. I mean, it just it just doesn't look like it's in the cards. I mean, the the defense is gonna have to get turnovers. But again, I don't know how they're gonna do it. But if if the if the Saints can get a win, we'll see what happens in the other results. Could be tied for first place. That would be incredible. But. And I would appreciate the opportunity, but the the players have to. You know, I kept thinking they're going to basically after the debacle in the desert, they basically had a week and a half off. And I I kind of was thinking, you know what? They'll regroup, maybe get healthier, have some players play, and then it, it just didn't happen. The the injury report is still a novel, and. The comments that I've heard, I guess, were encouraging to some. They just made me angry. 
this business, oh, now we're going to have a sense of urgency. Well, it's too late for a sense of urgency. Should have had that seven weeks ago. I, I, boy, I need a win. Uh, I, Monday, when we come back, Lord willing, I, I just, you know, obviously the most important thing right now is that the Astros are up two games to none. Could be glorious. Could be another just contrast, uh, just co- conflict of emotions, or it, it could be really bad. <laughs> so let's let's hope for really good. Let's hope for really good. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out this show for the day and the week next on The Game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game as we finish up this week. And it's been it's been interesting. You know, you had a Thursday game with the Cajuns last night. You had all these reports early on about all these games and trying to figure out which high school games are moving from Friday to to Thursday and, um, you know, watching Saints injury reports and looking forward to the World Series and LSU fans are, are relishing going into a, an, a, a bye week, an open week coming off an, an incredible victory and looking forward to what most LSU fans look at as the game of the year each year in Alabama. So just lots of going on. In, uh, in the world of sports and things to, to pay attention to. And, um, you know, the Cajuns now are very similar. Here we go again. Um, you know, I've talked all year about the similarities, the uncanny similarities between the Cajuns and the, and the, and the Saints. And you had one last night where didn't that last night's game kind of seem similar to the debacle in the desert for the Saints? It was a Thursday night game. You, you know, you had pick sixes and all these crazy plays going on, and you they jumped all over you just with this boom. All of a sudden, it happened a little later in the first half or the, in the Saints game uh, than it did in the in the Cajuns game. But there was a period there of you know a couple minutes where everything just kind of fell apart. And for the Cajuns, it was in the first quarter, and in the Saints, it was the second quarter. But it was just like man. It, and you tried to fight back, and then you couldn't quite do it. And then, you you know, it's it, it just craziness, uh, the, the, the similarities there. You know, both teams look like the, the backup quarterbacks are going to end up playing extended periods of time when, you know, when it didn't really look – you didn't really know it was going to be that way at the very beginning. And, you know, Ben last night, you know, he threw for over 300 yards and made some big plays. So I don't know you would come out of that game thinking, man, he, he's not the quarterback. He did have three picks. Uh, that's not good. And, again, the last one is not good. But when you're in a pressure situation and you're under huge pressure and the running game has kind of been taken away from you, that, 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 that's an understandable. When the second interception was, was a deflection, I don't, you know, he, I'm sure he played some sort of role in that, but I don't know that that's really his fault. But the um, the first one was just bad. I mean, you just can't you can't be getting picked off early in the game like that. But but still, he threw for over three hundred and three hundred yards and made some good things happen. And so I don't think, from an injury standpoint or performance standpoint, I don't think he'll be replaced or or they'll go back to the two quarterback system. But we'll see, or whatever the modified two quarterback system they had. We'll see and. 
I don't even want to talk about the Saints situation because uh, they got to win a game first. Got to win a game first. All right, big weekend. Astros, game one tonight, game two tomorrow, both about 7 o'clock. And we'll see what happens in high school football, and then we'll see if the Saints can, you know, like win a home game. <laughs> that hadn't happened that often. Not nearly as often as it, it should be in recent years. And right now, I don't care if they were playing in the Bermuda Triangle. They just need to get a win. I mean, it's just – it's just unbelievable. So appreciate the phone calls keeping me sane this week. Pray for me this weekend. Hopefully the Astros can get it done. Y'all have a nice one.